You're listening to The Driven, the podcast that gives you the news and the views, the ins and the outs on electric vehicles. The Driven is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy and The Driven websites. And it's brought to you by the NRMA, who are leading the charge in helping Australians transition to electric vehicles. By rolling out Australia's largest regional fast charging network, along with advocacy and education, the NRMA is making the electric transition more accessible for more people. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of The Driven Podcast. Well, we've heard a lot about electric cars, electric bikes, electric trucks, electric buses, electric haul trucks on mining sites, um, even a bit of electric aircraft. Um, We haven't heard much about electric boats. Um, I've seen a few outboard motors and I've heard a bit of talk about electric ferries and um, that seems like a pretty good prompt to talk with one of the uh, big proponents of electric ferries in Australia and New Zealand. And um, look, it's um, it's a delight to welcome Michael Eglin, the CEO and founder of Evie Maritime, and um, he's joining us from uh, Auckland, New Zealand. Um, welcome to the podcast, Michael. Thanks, Giles. Great to be here. I was up in Brisbane the other day, catching the ferry as I like to do, sort of hopping along the little uh, the, the little cap, the, the little link thing, and I was sitting at the back as I like to do, and I found myself enveloped in diesel fumes, and I thought there's got to be a better way to go than this. <laughs> Why is it that we haven't got electric ferries already? Well, electric ferries are, are really the biggest, one of the biggest growth areas in the global maritime industry today. But where it's mostly started is in heavy slow boats. Um, a lot of the vessels that run across the fjords in Norway and places like that, car ferries, um, that's become a really big thing. And there's hundreds of them now, and, and it's well proven. But what's, um, what's different about the Brisbane River ferries and the, and the Sydney ferries, like the ferries we have here in Auckland and, the, and, and around the world, um, in the sort of commuter market is we like to go fast. Um, ah. commu- commuters are in a hurry to get to work um, and going fast and is, is hard to do when boats are heavy. And batteries, as we all know, are pretty heavy. And, and so it's been, a, it's been a technology play really to, um, to get the weight off not only the batteries but all the other stuff in the boats down to the point where you can um, make a boat which is efficient enough to have the range to be electric. And that's, that's really kicking off in a big way now. That's really interesting. I was wondering why they also, yes, they kind of went big first, but of course, yes, people like to go fast. But I've got to say, the, the Brisbane little uh, ferry cat, the one that does that sort of inner city sort of links, I mean, that's not a particularly fast ferry. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's, that's, I guess there's both. I mean, there's, there's the city cats that run up and down the river, um, and that's a pretty fast ferry um, as far as its length goes. Um, you get the little uh, kitty cat that runs across the river, um, which isn't particularly fast, and actually there's a proposal to explore electrification for that now. Um, but but one, of the, one of the problems, of course, is that this is not just about building electric ferries for electric ferries' sake. This is actually about building electric ferries to drive decarbonisation. And the trick with that is you've not only got to go after the stuff which is easy to decarbonise, which is the slow stuff, but you've actually got to go after the stuff which makes a real, has a real impact. Um, and so if you look at, um, I think I saw something the other day that was written about the kitty cat in Brisbane, and I think they said it was going to save about 40,000 litres of diesel per annum, which sounds like a lot. 
But I would think that the fuel consumption on one of those city cats would be about 10 times that or more. So that's the stuff that we go after is the really hard, to, the hard stuff. Um, boats that need to go fast, still need to be low wash, need to go further. You've got to be able to do the length of the river, for example, um, and need to do that electric. So yeah. Well, let's get into that um, into some of those details. But first, let's expl let's um, explain who EV Maritime is. Um, you know, who are you? <laughs> where, where, where did you come from? Um, and what are you doing? Yeah, thanks. Well, we're a design and technology company um, based in Auckland at the moment. Um, and uh, we came, we spun out of a shipyard. I was I was CEO of a of a shipyard, commercial boatyard um, in Auckland. Um, for about 10 years and, and we started, we started as, as businesses do, thinking about the future and, and where our future was going to lie and, and when we started really wanting to know more about electrification and what electrification was going to mean for, uh, for our industries in this part of the world. And, and we started looking around at ferries, um, there's a, a, like most, most harbour cities uh, in New Zealand and Australia, there's an ageing fleet of ferries that we're going to need replacing and we started looking at whether they could be electric. So we started an R&D project and, and we figured out, gosh, well, there's, there's really something in this. But we also figured out that this wasn't going to be about exporting a whole lot of boats around the world from New Zealand. Um, our customers were going to be governments, they were going to be public transport authorities uh, and, and our role was not going to be to be a shipyard, our role was going to be to enable boat builders to become electric boat builders wherever they were. Um, so, so we um, set up EV Maritime to be independent of the shipyard and, and, and my co-founders are the owners of that yard and actually that yard's building the boats for Auckland Transport here at the moment. But in all other respects we're independent uh, and, and we're working really hard um, in Australia and in the United States and Canada as our kind of three main export focus markets at the moment. Um, to, uh, to do exactly that, to, to take electrification um, to around the world to enable boat builders to become electric boat builders and, and kind of um, to, to support, um, uh, to support uh, you know, I guess, I guess the standardisation, global standardisation but local manufacture. It's interesting what you sort of talked about the ageing fleet. I mean, is that the sweet spot then for electric ferries? Because I think so many ferry fleets are ageing. I mean, it's probably, it's probably it, might, it might be incorrect to say that, but when you get onto some ferries, you see some old ones, and I guess you do see some new ones as well. But um, is, that, is that the sweetest spot in the market? Well, it's, it, yeah, look, it's the sweetest spot, not necessarily only for that reason. Um, there's, there's definitely that issue. I mean, the, the fleets around the world are all ageing, these boats only last so long um, and so but but it, so so you know I guess we'll pick off two separate issues there one of them is is the aging fleets and look a lot of people say to me well can can you can you retrofit um, a, a boat to be electric and the answer is well of course you can electrify you can retrofit anything um, you can go and buy a really fancy car from the local car yard and um, take it to the chop shop and get it electrified turn it into electric but it won't be a very good electric car um, and, and it's much the same with boats. You, you, could, you can certainly um, retrofit old boats and make them electric, but when it comes to, um, when it comes to high performance boats, fast boats, um, you're not going to get a very good result out the end of it. Um, and so I'm not particularly against retrofit 
as such, because um, I'm a great believer in reusing our um, reusing um, products, reusing materials, and, and you know I'm not I, I, I abhor the kind of um, the waste that our society has fallen into creating. But at the moment in this market, what our focus really is. We're certainly not suggesting to anybody that they throw away a perfectly good boat. Um, they don't need to. Uh, there's, what, they need to, what we need to be doing is making sure that nobody goes out and builds diesel-powered boats to replace diesel-powered boats, because those don't need to happen. No. So our focus is on making sure the new boats that get built are electric boats, and then supporting the existing diesel boats that are still out there in the fleet. Um, maybe as they can, you know, they may find themselves continuing to I guess move, move across more to the fringes, the places that, where the range is such that you still need to use diesel. Um, and, and they might see out their life in progressively different areas of the, of the system. But um, I don't think there's any need to throw away perfectly good boats. Um, no, whereas so. it's, it's a bit like the buses and the, and the cars as well. I mean, they sort of say that it'll probably take 20 years to convert an entire car fleet, um, you know, because people will still be buying some ICE vehicles for a while and then they probably last 10 or 12 years. Um, it's a bit depressing when you see some state governments here in Australia putting in order for 900 diesel buses. And you think, what are you thinking? Correct, um, exactly. <laughs> Yes, exactly. exactly. Sure, yeah, you know, sure, surely those who have got diesel buses now who can use electric, maybe they could sell you their diesel buses if you need diesel ones so that you could then yeah. free them up to buy electric ones. So yeah, that's, that's more the, where we like to see yeah. things working. Yeah, and, 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 and how, how are state governments thinking about that in terms of ferries? Are they getting there? Are they getting to the stage now where, oh, we need new ferries? What about electric? Or are they still kind of balking at it because they haven't seen enough of them? Uh, there, yeah, there's probably a little bit of the latter. Um, I think that... Um, yeah, it's a big project, and, and it's very much like we've seen in buses, that there's a lot of parties involved. Um, you can go out and buy an electric bus, um, but you better make sure you've got somewhere to plug it in. Um, and it's much the same with electric boats. And so you've got to have not only the boat building technology and the boat builders, um, you've got to have the charging stations, and you've got to have the operators kind of lined up and ready to... Um, adapt their program to to receive uh, and operate electric boats. So there's a lot of parties involved in, and that shoreside piece is certainly challenging. But look, well, yeah, well that's know, right. I mean, getting the getting the grid capability um, at the shoreside on on the on the on the ferry dock, dock, if you like, or wherever it is that ferries go to spend the night or or to recharge. Um, I mean, but we're living that here now. I mean, we're living that here in Auckland right now. I mean, we've there's there's four. Um, plug-in electric boats under construction for Auckland Transport at the moment. Two of them are hybrids. Um, two of them that we've done are, are fully battery electric fast ferries. 200 passengers, very much the sort of size of the, uh, you might compare it to the Brisbane City Cats or the, um, the Parramatta River ferries. Um, is, is, and so are they operating yet? No, they're not. They're under construction. Okay. Um, they've got another just under a year to go till they launch. Okay. Um, so, so tell us about the performance. Tell us about how much they cost, how big the batteries are, what they require for charging, all the sort of things that you can tell us. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, so if you just start with the physical boat itself, you've got a, a 24-metre catamaran ferry, very much the kind of size that people, in, particularly in Sydney and Brisbane, are used to seeing buzzing around their, their city. Um, carries 200 passengers. Um, it's, uh, it's actually it's built out of composite materials, carbon fibre instead of aluminium. 
um, which is not particularly unusual in Europe, but it's a bit more unusual in New Zealand and Australia. Um, we've, we've ended up becoming, in this part of the world, very good at building aluminium boats quite cheaply, um, and they're reasonably efficient from a, a weight point of view. But when it comes to electric, reasonably efficient just isn't really enough. Um, the, the electric really, um, the key to successful electrification is efficiency, um, and, and you get a, a real multiplier effect on your efficiency. So these are composite boats. Um, they, um, they have about uh, one and a half megawatt hours of batteries on board, so that's you know, in, the, in the 10 or 12 tonne kind of category, so pretty serious batteries. Okay, and, that, and how much does that compare to the weight of a diesel engine, for instance, and, and the fuel tanks? So you, the, boat is, as a, the boat as a whole is going to wind up about the same weight as we're used to seeing, but only because we save about 10 tonnes by building in composite. Right. So, okay. so there's around about a 10 tonne, roughly, um, kind of headache to solve, and we solve that by building in carbon fibre. Okay. Um, so, so having built these boats in carbon fibre, they're actually, they're actually not particularly light boats. They're the same kind of displacement that we're used to say, seeing on these, these boats. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of batteries, a lot of power electronics and switchboards and all the rest of it. Um, right. And, and what, sort of, what sort of range and what sort of speeds do you get? So, um, well, we're running for a top speed of 25 knots, which is about 50 kilometres an hour, which is about as fast as, as most of these boats typically Sounds need to go in, in these cities. Sounds quick enough. Um, yeah. And, and look, the total range is around about, um, I'll convert it into, into kilometres, probably about 35 to 40 kilometres. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can run a 35 or 40 kilometre service. Um, it, you know, as, as your listeners will be familiar with, um, you know, it, it's not great with, a, with battery technology to take it from full to all the way empty all the time. Um, and these are very, very busy boats. So you really want to try and get some longevity out of your batteries. So, um, so where they're ideal for is things like, um, uh, I mean, we, we did a proposal recently looking at um, Circular Quay to Sydney Olympic Park, that kind of distance, mm -hmm. or Circular Quay to Manly. Um, in Brisbane, it's, you know, what, what we're doing with the Auckland boats is it's about a, it's about a 16 kilometre uh, one-way trip. Um, and that, you know, that's kind of equivalent to a little bit less than one end of the Brisbane River service to the other. Mm -hmm. um, so, so Brisbane River is a little bit longer than the, than the services that we're targeting with these boats in Auckland. Um, so that's the, your kind of general territory and then you, you're charging at two megawatts. So these are serious charges. Um, wow. uh, DC charging at two megawatts and, um, and so in that we're charging um, Oh, we did the numbers recently on Brisbane, and I think, I think the full length of the Brisbane River was, I don't remember exactly the number, but it was somewhere under 15 minutes of charge for each one-way trip up the length of the river. So, so could you just sort of charge after each leg and stuff? Yeah, well, that's kind of why, that, that's the other piece of your earlier question about why ferries. Um, so the beauty of ferries, of course, is that they come and go from the same places all the time, um, and they do it quite regularly, and actually nobody needs them to go very far, because... If they had to go a really long way, then um, it would take a long time and nobody wants to take a long time to commute to work. So you get this kind of self-levelling effect with ferries where 
where there's a sweet spot in terms of the global market that mostly people are doing sort of between about 10 and at most about 20 kilometres um, as a one-way trip. Um, and then of course you're loading and unloading a whole lot of people uh, and so you've got some time to charge while you're doing that. Uh, and so if you, if you kind of bring all of those factors together, you can make that work and you've got a boat that can actually work just as hard as your diesel boat. And that's what we're aiming for in Auckland. We're looking at charging for about nine minutes for each 40 minute trip. Um, and, and the schedule at the moment accommodates that. And so that, um, that uh, being able to operate to the existing schedules means that you're not, um, you're not having to fundamentally change or degrade the service that you're providing to customers. You can deliver the same service that they're used to and you can do it with lovely clean electric boats. Um, so that's, that's the real kind of why ferries. The other big thing about ferries is they're super busy. Um, you know, ferries in most of our cities are often running 18 hours a day. They'll start at about 6 in the morning and run through till midnight. Um, they're typically running seven days a week. They'll be running sort of 5,000 hours a year. These diesel boats are often doing an oil and filter change every two weeks. Um, so that's how hard these boats work. And the nice thing about that from an electric point of view is, yeah, these boats cost a lot more to build, um, but they're a lot cheaper to run. But of course, the more you run them, the more you save. Uh, and so the economic um, uh, cost-benefit analysis plays much more heavily in favour of ferries than a lot of other type of assets because they're so busy. Um, and so um, it's much like an electric car, you know, the, yeah. the, the economics of going and buying a Tesla are probably a lot stronger if you are a taxi driver than if you than if you're just you know, using it to drive down the road once, well, well, once exactly, a day. Yeah. So you're in a position to be able to tell governments that um, there's a return of investment in three, five, seven, whatever, however many years? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we, we presented an analysis recently for a ferry service in New South Wales where we were looking at, um, it was essentially 20% cheaper to buy um, electric boats than diesel boats. Cheaper? Um, cheaper to buy the boats? <laughs> cheap, cheap, yeah, over the, on, a, on a net present value of the total cost of ownership basis. Oh, wow. um, and, um, and that was using, uh, in this case, uh, the New South Wales state government's own um, uh, factors and rates for, for the, 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 the value of future um, cash okay. flow. So, and, and, so. and what sort of, what sort of um, ownership, uh, sorry, li lifetime are we talking about for that boat? Well, we ran that analysis at 25 years, right. um, which is kind of typical for aluminium boats. We think that the lifetime for a composite boat will be about double that. Um, but um, uh, yeah, for, for, to, to avoid getting into that argument, we actually just ran the analysis on the shorter lifespan. Okay. So basically, it's not like a three or five year payback, but it's basically if you're going to be a big capital investment for a ferry, you expect it to run for 25 years. And sometime, probably after about year 15 mark, you're going to start seeing your savings and, and, and make further savings onward from that or something. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's about that. So it, yeah. very, it depends a bit on how you're using the boats. We've, we see numbers anywhere between eight and 15 years. Okay. Okay. In the 
analyses we do. Yeah, and look, just one other sort of technical question, just the batteries, where, where do they sit in the, uh, do you do them like cars, you kind of spread them out over the chassis, or you probably don't need to in a boat, so I'm not really too sure, but in engineering and, and, and where you want to put all the weight in, do you want to Great put... question. Yes. Yeah, so, so we, with boats, where you want to put all the weight is in the middle, um, and the reason for that is that um, the motions of the boat are more gentle, are, are, are kinder and more comfortable uh, if you keep the weight out of the ends. Um, now that also works quite well for us. So we're putting we've, our batteries are in in battery compartments down inside the hulls. As I mentioned, these are catamarans, so that means they've got two hulls. Um, and the kind of central piece of each hull is a great big room full of full of racks of batteries. So they're all in one one place in each hull, split between the two. Um, they've got you know uh, lots of um, lots of monitoring and cooling and ventilation and fire protection systems and all of those sorts of things, the so safety systems. Um, and one of, the, one of the nice things about putting them in the middle of the boat, of course, is that the batteries don't last as long as the boat does. The batteries will probably last something in the region of 10 years, um, and then they'll be swapped out. They might be moved onto a landside type application. But in 10 years, we know that the battery technology we're going to get is going to be better than what we've got now. And um, it might be that we end up with lighter batteries now, of course, if the batteries were all at one end of the boat uh, and then we swapped them out for lighter ones, um, the boat would trim wrong. The boat would be driving around, you know, looking heavy in the front or light in the back. Um, but by doing it in the middle, it means that when you do get changes in mass, if we do get some weight savings, um, the boat will still okay. um, respond correctly and, and, and continue to float nicely. Okay. And are they much, are they much quieter? Oh yes, <laughs> in fact we're we're, we're sort of we're, we're we're waiting with interest to see what happens here in Auckland. There's um there's a few ferries that are quite noisy, um, and there's some waterfront suburbs who have who don't often complain about the noise of the ferries, largely because um, they've always been like that. But I think that when they start to realise how lovely and quiet these electric ones are, um, we're probably going to start hearing a bit of complaint about the, what, the noise of the, uh, of the old diesel no. ones, but we'll see. Yeah. Do they create less wash? Um, look, they, they, they do and they don't. Um, they're about the same size and about the same weight and about the same speed as the existing boats. And so um, those fundamental pieces of physics uh, are the... Are the the main right. drivers of wash but so it's the displacement of the ferry rather than the actual spinning of the, um, the propellers or well, I mean, yes. well with electric motor you still got to spin the propeller anyway so well, yes. well that's right you do you do still have to push it along so um so no but that, that, that's right it's uh, the wash is absolutely it's the displacement of the ferry it's pushing all that water out of the way and so um but what you what you do find though is that with electrification because as I mentioned before there's this there's this fresh incentive to make boats more efficient it means that you we're paying a lot more attention to the components of resistance and and one of the really big components of resistance is wave making drag and and so you get you know the nice thing about low wash boats is they're also low power boats and so we have a, there's a tendency, and it's particularly enabled by using carbon fibre and you know, composite materials instead of aluminium. Um, there's less framing inside the boats, which means that there's, you don't have to allow as much space for that framing, which ultimately means that the hulls can be narrower and produce less wash. So, so there are small incremental things that we can do to help reduce wash. Um, but 
a lot of those fundamentals are still there. Um, but the good thing, I guess, is that actually in New Zealand and Australia, most of our boats are pretty low wash. It's been quite a large focus of attention. So we're, we're starting from a reasonably good um, starting point. Okay. Now, you've mentioned Brisbane and Sydney. Um, where are we up to there? I mean, um, I've heard sort of talk about Brisbane possibly wanting to have, like, you know, electric ferries in time for the Olympic Games, which are in 2032. Um, well, um, gosh, it, I mean, I, I certainly hope they have more than just a few electric ferries by then. Um, well, let's hope they're wholly electric. But, um, I, I, I mean, have you, you've obviously looked at, um, at, at Brisbane. Where, where are we at? Are you tendering? Are, are they tendering? Are they... Um, where, where are we yeah, headed there? Not yet, but, but that's, that's, that's um, hopefully, I think, going to move reasonably quickly. What we've seen is there's a study underway to look at electrifying the kitty cats, um, uh, which, is, which is good that people are starting to look at those things. So, so the kitty cat's the smaller one, isn't it? That's right. It's yep. the little one that runs across the river. Have, have, um, you, have you got anything to offer for that service? Um, Oh look, we could, yeah, we could, um, we we could certainly do that. Uh, it's not, um, I guess that's not really where our main focus is. The main yeah. focus is on is on the place where the where the real emissions lie, which would be in those um, is in those city cats. Yeah. Um, and and that's really where you know what we've developed as a business at EV Maritime is a is a standard platform that is applicable to. Uh, things like the city cats, the Parramatta ferries, the San Francisco ferries, New York ferries, and so on, um, on, on a kind of a, um, uh, on, on a sort of um, providing that kind of backbone of the of the system and the way the vessel works, um, and enabling that to be adapted locally. And that's what we're doing with our partnership with Norman Wright and Sons. Um, they they really want to. Yeah, they've they've had a long history with the city cat fleet in. Brisbane, and they want to um, they want to position themselves to to um, understand what it's going to take to deliver electric ferries into the future city cat fleets, uh, and they want to work with us to um, to uh, look at applying the the, the EV Maritimes platform, um, and, and for them to take on their own design in in how they apply that to Brisbane. Uh, and so that's a, a really nice kind of cross-Tasman collaboration there. Right. So you're kind of working together, but no firm orders yet. You're kind of waiting for Wrightson to get there um, comfortable with it, but also an order from the government, I suppose. Yeah, well, this is the first stage, really. Um, uh, Brisbane City Council has a an ongoing long-term supply agreement um, that they um, is with a, with a different boat builder at the moment. There's kind of two boat builders, and they, they kind of almost, they, you know, they kind of alternate, no, they alternate formally, but, you know, uh, and, and that's got another year or two to run on it with the existing ferries that are being built. And Brisbane City Council, I know, is now just starting to look at uh, what their future ferries are going to look like. And um, and so so you know this study that we're you know the work we're doing with Norman Wright and Sons is I guess helping to build out a picture for Brisbane City Council of what that future might look like and um, and and help get everybody I guess aligned towards thinking about the infrastructure issues and the, and the, the service design um, and and you know what the what the wider what the whole ferry system looks like. It's not just about saying, "Hey, I've got a boat, come buy my boat." It's it's more holistic than that. Yeah, yeah. And where are we at with the Sydney ferries then? Because um, look, I'm not an expert on ferries, but every time I, I I kind of read about Sydney ferries, it seems to be they've either got a contract or cancelled a contract or brought something back into service or put something out or doing something. But um, what's the? Yeah, what's the... yeah. Well, I guess I mean we were a bit we were a bit disappointed. We we. Um, Transport for New South Wales recently announced a contract to buy another seven 
uh, diesel ferries for the Parramatta River, mm. uh, and we and we uh, we have some sympathy for the position they got to on that, which I think really saw them needing some ferries in a hurry um, because their ferries were at the end of life and they and they needed to keep the service running. But um, I guess we're very strongly encouraging them to uh, not just not not just to say, oh well, it's too late, we've made a decision. But they, they've really they really need to look seriously at electrification, not just look at it. They need to get into into doing it. Um, yeah, the guys over here at Auckland Transport are, are really leaning into the ferry electrification. They've got four boats in build. They've got major infrastructure rollout happening. Um, all the same challenges here. There's nothing nothing special. Nothing. Nothing that suddenly makes New Zealand uniquely more suited for electrification than Australia. Um, we're just getting in and doing it, and um, and you know the government, central governments behind it, local governments behind it, uh, mm. industries behind it, and um, I think you've got all of the same recipes for success in Australia, uh, and it needs to happen. Now we were encouraged to see that there's a report. Um, a study, you know, an investigation going to be undertaken by uh, by the New South Wales Minister for, Ministry for Transport, uh, looking at um, electrification, looking at decarbonisation of the ferries. Um, we've seen no detail yet about what that means, what the scope might be, who might be involved, what they're really aiming for. Um, we we were pretty disappointed by the last um, by the ferry aspect of the last. Uh, Investigation into 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 electrification for public transport. Um, we we felt that the uh, advice there was was a bit out of date, even when it was said. But it certainly hasn't aged well now. Um, so um, we're certainly looking forward to um, to uh, shining a light on the opportunity for electrification in Sydney. And what sort of other opportunities are there in Australia? I mean, another place I can think of is possibly Perth. They've got sort of um, river ferries there. Um, I mean, there's ferries that go to sort of islands and things like that. How far away are we from that sort of technology? Um, you know, the big, the big Sydney ferries, like the Manly ferry, is huge. Um, well, I mean, you you could certainly electrify. I'm I'm sure you. I mean, it's not our specialist field. We're we're performance boat people, but um, you know, you could. We know you can electrify the the. Um, the, the small Sydney ferries, you could do the the, the manly fast ferries electric. Um, that, that all that technology is there. I'm certain you could electrify the uh, the manly freshwater class ferries. Whether it's worth electrifying vessels which are that old is is a is a different different topic. But. Um, well, the, yes, you, you, yeah. you'd think about either just sort of phasing them out and bringing in a new electric class, you know, what yeah. they've got in Scandinavia, for instance. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of politics, a lot of, a lot of feeling about those vessels. There's, they, they occupy a special place in the heart of Sydney Siders, and, and, you know, I, I certainly don't want to go tromping into that argument. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I think that they could be electrified. Um, there are definitely other places. I mean, like you say, um, up in WA, um, Perth, Rottnest Island. Um, uh, there's uh, there's ferries in a number of places. Um, Hobart's got some ferries and, and opportunity for more. Um, but I think uh, probably the place where the biggest impact could be, not only in real carbon terms, but in in uh, visible impact terms, would be the Great Barrier Reef. Um, and really, we, you know, I mean, the the reef's been 
been kind of teetering on the edge of being being in danger listed for some time. Um, you know, it's 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 really suffering hard under the uh, under the pressures of climate change. Um, that's that's you know, it's not only the um, temperature of the water which is rising, but you're getting acidification that happens as a result of that, and and you know all of this has got got a, 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 a real impact on the health of the reef. It's obviously a major tourism asset for Australia, um, as well as really a, a, a national and world kind of treasure. So. Yeah, I think that, that decarbonising the tourism fleet around the Great Barrier Reef is another enormous opportunity. That might be more of a hydrogen play than a battery electric play for some of it because of the range, but that technology is there too. Oh, okay. I, was, I, was, I don't know whether we've got time for a deep dive into sort of electric versus no, hydrogen. that might be the next but, one. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the next one. Well, look, Michael, look, um, thanks very much for... Um, oh, look, just one final question. Would an electric ferry be faster than the, uh, the, the current fast ferries or at uh, about the same speed? Yeah, look, um, about the same speed is the short answer. There's nothing about electric... It's, it's a bit different from cars because um, it's not... It's With cars, it's... In many cases, it's all about acceleration rather than top yes. speed. That's not so much the case with boats. You, you have um, uh, you, boats don't roll. <laughs> boats don't just keep on going. So you've you've always got the power on all the time. It's like driving uphill all the time. Um, and so <laughs> no so, opportunity no opportunity for regen because there's no downhill. <laughs> that's correct. Correct. And so so really, what that means is that um, you know you you do have to up to a point boats, are, uh, uh, you can make them go faster and then you, you get to a point with any given boat where you've got to start putting in disproportionately more power to get a little bit more speed out. Um, and, and that's the zone you really want to avoid with ferries because that's, that's inefficiency. Um, and so um, making them go really fast um, can sometimes be done, but, but that's, you're getting into other types of technologies, you're getting into foiling. It's another conversation we could have, but um, <laughs> yeah, boats flying on, on hydrofoils and stuff, so yeah. Oh, interesting stuff. Well, look, Michael, look, um, thank you very much for joining the Driven Podcast. It's a fascinating discussion about electric ferries, and let's hope we start to see some in the next couple of years in, in our major cities in Australia, it's all Brisbane and Sydney in particular. Thanks, Charles. Really appreciate your time. Nice talking to you. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Um, that's it for this episode of the uh, Driven Podcast. Uh, thanks very much, for Michael from EV Maritime, for joining us. Um, thanks also to the NRMA for sponsoring this podcast. And I should note that I've actually been on an NRMA ferry, which is uh, a converted ferry, a bit of a trial one in Sydney Harbour. That was uh, went on that about a year ago. That was quite interesting. And I think they're still sort of assessing what their options are in the future. Um, do check out our other podcasts, of course, the Energy Insiders podcast, the Solar Insiders podcast, and our new Switched On podcast, which has a look at things, electrification, uh, but mostly things in the home, um, about the sort of the transition to sort of fully electric appliances, and there's some great interviews and um, experiences there. Thanks very much. Uh, we'll be back very soon with another episode of The Driven Podcast. Bye for now. The Driven Podcast was brought to you by the NRMA, who are leading the charge in helping Australians transition to electric vehicles. The NRMA offers advice, online communities and EV loans to help drivers at every stage of their electric vehicle journey. And with their ever-expanding regional fast charging network, the NRMA is committed to ensuring all communities remain connected.